Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Brainiac Podcast. I'm Melissa Biscardi, your host, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Amanda Brill, who will be telling us her story. Um, but before that, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Head Check Health. Head Check Health bridges the gap in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. You can join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on Head Check to improve communication and optimize care. You can visit headcheckhealth.com for more information and also just want to say that the Brainiac podcast is part of the U of T chapter, Concussion Legacy Foundation group of podcasts. So without further ado, I'm ridiculously excited. So I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but Amanda is one of the good things that comes from Instagram. I became a fangirl, I don't know, a year or more ago, and I've been following Amanda's journey, and she is pretty darn incredible. Yes, she's a brain injury survivor. She's also a veteran, a chef. Um, so much to her and her story. So welcome, Amanda. And um, if there's anything you'd like to add to that bio, but I'm uh -huh. so excited to have you here. Um, thank you for having me. And you can add weirdo. <laughs> We love weirdos. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking, like, I would really, I mean, there's so much to your story, but I thought we could start maybe near the beginning or even with the fact that you're in Idaho. So were you born in Idaho? You know, where did Amanda begin? And what led you to join the military, which is very common in, or maybe not very common, but more it's larger in the US than Canada, right? So how did you find that journey? And just let's see where it goes. <laughs> okay, so you're giving me weapons release to just talk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Dangerous. <Yes. laughs> well, um, okay, so let's see. I am, yes, I'm in Idaho and um, I have been living in New York City for a while and um, the reason I'm in Idaho is I discovered this place two years ago when I came here for hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I was, I was in quite a state. This was, you know, I had already been through TBI rehab, um, but for like two years. And then I, because of my fainting, my pots, I, um, I had just fainted like into five more concussions and fallen down a flight of stairs. It was a disaster. So I, thankfully, um, an organization reached out to me because, you know, you said something about social media. Um, I have a funny relationship with social media too. I have zero strategy. I just like, people think I do because I have a blue check mark, but yes. it's just like, this is what I feel like talking about today. Like, oh, this is a featured photo. Let me, let me just like run my thumbs for a few minutes. Um, but I was very much confused and a bit lost in my, in my TBI uh, and then PCS 
situation. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, an organization reached out to me and they were basically like, you have TBI and you're a veteran. And we like if, if you fill out the forms and I was like, ah, forms, but <laughs> I made it work. <laughs> And um, and I qualified for this this uh, program, and I was able to get hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh, here in Idaho. And you know, I'm I'm a traveler and a travel writer, or I was, and I was just like, I'm not talking about this place. Like this is my secret place, and yes. it was so amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and it's secluded too. Uh, I mean, the cat's out of the bag on Sun Valley now that it's been um, three years running as the ski resort of the West, uh, as if there are any on the East and, um, in the United States, at least. Um, so, so that's how I got here. And I, I thought if I could rent out my place in New York, I would stay here. I would come back for the winter because there's um, a, a group here called Higher Ground that does a lot of stuff with both veterans. They have a veterans program and a disability program. And given my situation, I fit into both programs. So it's just like, oh, this place comes with outdoor sports, instant friends. Oh, and they're veterans. So we kind of have something in common. So I'm addicted to this place. And then I came back last year. Uh, and then I'm back this year and we'll see, but I, I mean, this is going to be a place in my life uh, in perpetuity because it's just, it, it, I, I don't know if I've sold it, but it's amazing. Um, it's funny because so, I saw, um, maybe it was last year that you were renting your apartment in New York and I was like, I want to go live in an apartment, <laughs> but maybe in another year now that I know you're going to be doing it every year yeah <laughs> well you know may 1st or may 15th i just talked to i just my landlady but i i'm wrenching it out again so oh all right <laughs> and then if you want so, that nyc experience right absolutely <laughs> and then the other thing is um Yes. So you're saying a, a organization reached out to you. So I wasn't sure because you're a veteran, obviously care is so, so expensive. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe because you're a veteran, that is why you get access to care. But I thought maybe it was just part of the veteran package, but actually you have another organization that reached out to support you with, which is amazing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak to that real quick. Um, the VA hospital, for the most part, has had almost zero, um, zero positive impact on the care. And, and I, I, I say that because in many ways it set me back and that's okay. I wouldn't change anything. Um, but it really depends where you are in the United States, which VA hospital you go to. Okay. what their what their you know patient load is there are five va hospitals here in the united states that really specialize in polytrauma but um it's it's not always easy to get there and it depends how you present so i ran into a lot of barriers there but thankfully i have there are veteran organizations in the united states that do uh take care of veterans in cert certain circumstances Sometimes you need to be a combat veteran. Sometimes you need to have like XYZ uh, injury and it has to be service connected. And thankfully, I eventually got service connected for my brain injury. But a lot of um, I'm very, very fortunate that when I was young, I was a bit different than I am now. I like started investing in college, like what? <laughs> Uh, so, and that was really great because after I started down this like head injury adventure, like, um, I, I kind of forgot about those and I was still on active duty and money kept going in. And I mean, eventually it was like, oh wait, I have like some resources. And a lot of that has gone into my hair and I've gotten a lot of, um, you know, I, I think given the fact that like it was so clear it was brain injury for me once I had the MRI with DTI and it was like ah, and it was like oh it like bleeds and like all of these things uh, like small bleeds but still like evidence that because I think before there was this like you know, it's hard to describe having gone through it in a certain state but it was almost like 
yeah, yeah, concussions. Yeah, yeah, brain injury. Every veteran has brain injury. And it was like, yeah, yeah, like trauma. And there was just this like, okay, here's your label. And like nobody doing anything about anything. And then, you know, I mean, I'm sure you you work with people like all the time that might say something similar. Um, so navigating this with your cognition, it, like <laughs> MIA, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but thankfully, that's one of the hardest parts is having a brain injury and having to navigate and organize your own care like that. It just. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And then if you layer on top of it that you don't even understand your real situation or that you are a woman who presents a certain way or a human that presents a certain way. I do think this is a a tougher situation for for women just being labeled hysterical and emotional. Um, And trust me, I got there. (laughs) So. Um, but to go back, I, I grew up in Maine, so Northeastern United States and in the snow, which was really interesting because my mom's from Vietnam and I always, I just, it, everything of course makes sense in hindsight, but, um, you know, my mom's this like sassy lady from Saigon and my dad's this, I don't know, kind of country dude. Um, and he. He had been in the the Navy and a merchant sailor, an officer, and my mom has this like really cool story that I finally got like the whole story recently where, I mean, just this crazy life growing up in Vietnam during the war and just kind of crazy. Like I, I realize now that I am like the apple didn't fall far from the tree and the way she escaped to Vietnam is really interesting. But then she kind of gets to the United States and eventually meets my dad and like almost like shuts off into who I thought she was growing up, which was like kind of this boring woman who does all this organic gardening, boring as far as lifestyle, not boring in demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just what I'm getting at is I, I was always like, so into the woods but so wanting to go travel the world and just be worldly and both of my parents had I knew my mom was from another country it was hard to conceptualize that I was different because she didn't look Asian to me and I knew my dad had like sailed around the world many times and there were all these like cool things in the house but my parents didn't friggin take me anywhere and so I was like wait it's like my destiny is out there and I'm just here in Maine (laughs) Um, so seeds planted to eventually just go adventure the world. And, um, I, I did have, I was an athlete and I did have concussions growing up, um, quite a few, but none. And I know these are, can be very cumulative, but I never felt that, um, in the ways that were important to me, at least sports and, um, sports and academics, I never really felt the effects of head injury until later. And, you know, in college, I struggled for the first time. Um, I was an ROTC student at Boston University. So like they cover school, you just keep a certain GPA. Um, TC for us Canadian folks. Oh, okay. Uh, um, Yeah, I don't know if you have that there. A reserve officer training corps. Yes, we do. I, I forget what it's called, but it's similar. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Cool. Cool. Um, and so, and so it was interesting, you know, while I was in college, I had, you know, growing up, let me just cut to the chase. In college, I was told that I had ADHD. I struggled for the first time, you know, courses are harder once you get to college. It was really interesting. I, I thought I had to be like a doctor and I was pre-med and all this stuff stuff and I was just like I don't want to do anything where I need to know like this chemistry shit like I was just like oh but what was really interesting is when I found what interested me which was anthropology earth science and archaeology oh my god I was a 4.0 student without any effort but I still had to take or like holding on to this like ideal 
that I had to take pre-med courses and like in physics, I got my first like bad grade and, and all of that. But it was like, oh, I can't pay attention and I'm interested. And so I went to medical and I was like, I have focus issues or is something wrong with me? And they were like, yeah, you just have ADHD. And I didn't take it seriously at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and I still have like really, I have really mixed emotions uh, because I'm always like, why, but why, but why, but why? Like, yeah, you know, if are. I was traumatized when I was ki a kid and became hypervigilant or, or whatever. So, you know, I, I could go down that rabbit hole another day, but I'll just say I was kind of a certain way before I went on my first military deployment. So, you know, with ROTC, you, you get free school and then you are obligated to four years, at least in the military. Oh, um, and it was on oh, my first. The military, because there's the air forces, which is the air. The military is the ground, presumably. But did you special like then? what department or what area were you in specifically? Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the Navy, in the United States Navy, um, there are three main, you have the Air Navy, like yes. Top Gun, cool. Yes. You have sea, um, surface warfare is what it's called. And then you have submarines. And then, you know, you've got like intelligence and supply corps and like these smaller entities. Um, so I was actually, I was all set to be, um, a pilot, but I, my eyesight changed drastically my senior year of college. Oh my gosh. So at the final hour, and I had spent the summer prior flying around in jets, like getting me all pumped up to go be awesome someday. This is how I saw it. And then my eyesight changed and I, they were essentially like, you can't do that. And I, and they said I could, I could still fly helicopters. And I was like, after spending a summer flying in jets, I was like, I would rather die. <laughs> and so I decided I would do my only other option, uh, which was to go be um, an officer on a, a big ship. Okay. I, I mean, I, I had, I, it was helicopters or ships. Yeah. And so I chose ships and it was really interesting because um, I did eventually become a rescue swimmer, which was very atypical. And um, it's like kind of as my life went on, any time there was a chance to to choose something kind of like bold and almost stupid, <laughs> I took that. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. You're into bold moves. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and I do, and I have this track record of like, deciding to do something and taking it all the way and then being like whatever what's next and that's been very frustrating in in history when people would like try to manage me or like a talent manager I was like I don't I don't get this concept I just know about going around and being myself <laughs> um so you know I probably lost out on a lot of money but whatever I'm not motivated by money um, but it was my first deployment, actually, uh, that in 2003, that a bunch of like, I guess, weird stuff happened. And I, long story short, I say that a lot because it has been a long story. <laughs> um, long story short, what we find out later is that I did have a brain injury. And it had to have been on that deployment when everything changed. But it wasn't like, oh, this happened and it changed. First of all, I didn't even remember hitting my head. My interpretation was that, okay, I was unconscious, but my neck hurt afterwards and I had headaches, but there was so much else going on. And I think, th so this is actually- that next in month, Afghanistan? Where was that deployment? That was uh, to Iraq and, okay. and I was on a ship. So we like sailed, oh, not sail, but we steamed over there. Um, someone would crucify me for saying that. And we were in the Gulf and, you know, we had brought all these Marines over and we had this really cool mission where we converted our, cause we were a great big ship. Um, we converted to a prison. And so we went to a place called Umkasar, a port town. And we like peered there and we had this prison 
And um, because like when a when a war starts, you need a place to bring prisoners because we haven't gone in and built our own prisons yet. And so that was pretty neat. And it was all really exciting for me because I like I had just spent four years in ROTC training for some of this stuff. And I was like so motivated by life. And I had um, in true form (laughs) eloped in college and I had this like super awesome husband and he was back in San Diego and I'm over there. And I was like, oh my God, if there's action, I'm glad to be here. Uh, And it was, I mean, I was super, super motivated and um, around like cool people. And I was the only new person to report to the ship that year. So it was almost like I got to be the shiny new thing with like wide eyes, like teach me everything. Um, Yeah. And so I I hadn't really thought about this. It was, uh, I think it was like late April, early May. A lot of people like get really like, this is my my born day or whatever and I like I don't give a crap um but we're coming up on 20 years um and it what happened was it was almost like bit by bit I like I went into a deeper haze and the only thing that was pretty immediate was I get chills thinking about it because now I understand was that I felt like I had to manually breathe myself. Like I was seriously, I I was only getting a couple hours of sleep a night anyway, because I stood the midwatch. So I only had from four to six in the morning to sleep and I would lay there and I would fall asleep. And then I would like wake up coughing and hacking. And I was like, I, if you almost imagine one of those billows bellows that you do a fire with I was like I felt like I had to breathe myself and I wasn't digesting food very well and it was just it was I mean like and that's where I say okay if you know you've had a brain injury and then that stuff appears in your life well that that makes a lot of sense when you have no idea and then suddenly all this stuff is happening oh, by the way, you're also like a woman on this military deployment and you're the most junior officer. So you feel like you can't be bitching about stuff. I was like, I was kind of in horror that, you know, I don't want to like let the team down by being all messed up. And I've always been a pretty good specimen of health, like what was going on. And I didn't have, and I, I reached back and I comfort her but I didn't have the ability to just speak up and say what was going on with me in, in, in its its fullest expression, because that would have been like, my emotions are all weird. I'm My body is full of horror and terror. I mean, now I have words for this, like a sympathetic overdrive. Like, I can't understand what people are saying very well. Um like, so a laundry list of things start up and the ones, you know, I, I grab the ones that are more physical and palpable, like, oh, you know, I'm going to medical because I have a, a neck ache and I have like so many gastro issues, but I would never even breathe life into any of the emotional stuff at that point in my life, even to myself, um, just, you know, suffer in silence and pretend you're not even suffering. Uh, and so especially um, in the military, that is the case as well, even more so than. Um, right. Well, I guess in sports as well. Right. Like shake it off, walk it off. All of that was still. Right. Yeah. And I would also contend that this was before head injury was cool. Yes. Like I mean, now right. it's a hot topic. Yes. Like back then, even if it was that I had hit my, if we knew how bad it was, I don't think it would have been, you know, and even when I got back from deployment, it's kind of funny to look at the paper trail where I'm like crashing my bike all the time. And, um, and, you know, I, I, there's like something, some note that's like, like, is really concerned that she can't catch a Frisbee and it's like, okay, well, it's a clue. It's a clue that like something's going on. Um, but essentially 
what I did instead of um, figure it out right away was adapt my entire life around the uh, the changes that I did my best to hide had even occurred. And that's how I ended up going to rescue swimmer school. Like I had to assert myself in ways that didn't involve words and numbers as much. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny when we think about like balance and how I, I, I gravitated towards the water and, you know, they told me I couldn't go to rescue swimmer school, but I was like very stubborn. And I asked and I put made like official requests and they finally let me go. And so that was, for me, it was, uh, I think it was like a six week school where they just beat the shit out of you. And I was like, this is clear. Like that matched my nervous system state. I was like, I was born for this. Um, and I'd always been an athlete anyway, but it was a really, I mean, I'm so thankful I had that because it was something that made me feel <laughs> like I feel emotional saying this, but it's, it made me feel useful. And because I knew deep down that my, my talent for academics and that kind of brilliance had taken a hit. And so I felt like at least it put me in my element in some way. And it also, there weren't, I I think I might've been the only woman rescue swimmer around. So it was almost like there was almost attention towards that where which took attention away from the fact that I like I didn't have any concept of like being on time and that I would uh, I had this new habit of um, not being part of conversations or I would steal the entire conversation. I didn't understand yet that like noise around me coming from different directions was um, but what we found out later was that, I had um, like my right cerebellum, my left occipital and my left frontal were all um, damaged in a way that like shows up on imaging. But I mean, obviously there's probably more stuff going on, but it's, it's been really fun in to go back and sort of comb over all of these changes that occurred knowing what we know now. And then, and I mean, it's all, it's all vague science because I had so many other entries on top of that. But so anyway, when, you know, did, you, um, when did you get diagnosed or, you know, when did you have your first imaging where it was like, Oh my goodness, this is what has been happening. Um, so it was, I had another injury where I fell down a flight of stairs, um, in 2014. And what happened after that is, is kind of interesting. Um, flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company, United healthcare insurance plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I actually go, what, like six, seven months. You know, I'd seen stars, like my neck hurt really bad. I lost the hair on the place where my head smashed, but the, um, the doctor in, in New York at the VA, uh, he, it was a concussion and, and even when things didn't, so this is like how little they were into like persistent symptoms and stuff like that. It was like 2014. That's when they would say like, stay in a dark room until you feel better. Exactly. Exactly. 
and and not knowing but i i mean i later got pretty hip to this but it was like everything that was bothering me way back in the day and a lot of which had gotten a little better over time or i just adapted enough uh, like everything is exacerbated even more like i could hardly read and now reading's not a thing it was like i i was having uh, trouble figuring out where i was like this orientation and it was just like, wait, I used to drive a ship around the world. Like, and by, by now I was out of the Navy. So, but to answer your question, um, it was, but, and I was talking to a social worker. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do because I can't do my job. I I'm not like my writing. I mean, I could, but it was like, I did the math. I was making like, <laughs> I did a little math. I, I was making like $5 an hour. Because I like my ability to write and then like read what I wrote and make sense of it was so it was so poor. And then I think like what I would do just and it wasn't on purpose. There was no plan. But if I had like a travel article that was on on the front of the travel like uh, section, I would like have someone take a picture and then I would post it. And I think it just really gave this impression that everything was great. Nice. Because I never had learned how to complain. Um, and because that's how I saw it. That's what I thought of when there was an issue. And um, I, I just, I, I didn't know what I didn't know yet. And so I was talking to this social worker, though, explaining that, like, I don't know what I'm going to, I'm running around in sports bras being a model and like, which is, I'm not knocking that, but it was like, this is how I'm making money. Even with my background, there's something right. wrong. Um, and he had, he like asked me this questionnaire. And one of the things was, have you ever been knocked unconscious? And I had answered that question like a million times, but I was like, wait, like someone knocked me unconscious or I passed out and smashed my head. And I, I had never made that distinction before. <laughs> and I was like, well, now, okay, how about dozens and dozens and dozens of times? Oh my gosh. And that opened up a whole thing. And then they brought me in, this is the VA, seven weeks later, they brought me in for neuropsych testing. Uh, talk about the holes where people like fall in and maybe never come out. I was like, okay, now I have a hint that maybe we we know what's going on. And then I go in for neuropsych testing and they're like, oh shit, like this, I guess they were saying like, if you perform super, super great in a whole bunch of areas, and then you have six areas that are just like bottom of the barrel, like it's like, you know, if someone's across the board, like average, that makes sense. But it's like yeah. this something happened type thing. Yes. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I happened. <laughs> um, but, and then I started to kind of understand and I spent all of 20, uh, the end of 2016 or, or 2016 and 2017 and the beginning of 2018 starting to unpeel the onion, which was vision therapy, vestibular therapy, speech therapy, cognitive remediation, all at NYU at their concussion mm -hmm. center. Okay. Oh, um, so, okay. Not that's not Dr. Collins, NYU. Okay. No, that um, under Dr. Flanagan, and it's great. Oh, okay. Now this is before functional anything. This is all I, the. Experience. Oh yes. Okay. So, um, but the good news is, as I was doing that, it was like, as I was, I was, I was living this double life that I didn't want anyone to know about, because um, it just didn't seem like tough. And I, I had to, I was doing the best I could with the resources I had. Yes. And, you know, it was like, I'm still trying desperately to work, but my bandwidth just starts to open a little more and a little more and a little more. And I just start to get a glimpse of the adaptations and constructs I've put in place just to survive. Yeah. I mean, right down to the boyfriends I would choose. I mean, they were always great. And right. very handsome. <laughs> but they would have the skills I didn't like, oh, crazy. Like, oh, you're really good at math and spreadsheets. <laughs> like, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, That's hilarious. Oh, you're patient. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, and that really began. So I like to say the adventure really began 
in um, 2016. And it was like, it, it was interesting because after I went through these rehabs, there was this like, oh my God, you're done. You're all your rehab. You're all better. And I was like, can I say that? Of course. <laughs> um, and that was a really interesting period. Uh, in the meantime, um, uh, maybe may a rabbit hole for another day. But in the meantime, I had also somehow found myself on eight different medications. Um, there was so much going on. This was before the POTS. Uh, okay. And there was so much going on with like neck and shoulder pain that they kept calling fibromyalgia. I did not understand. I mean, it makes perfect sense if like these things are starved of blood, they're going to start like aching and screaming. Um, you know, the the passing out and the lightheadedness was still a, a, a big mystery. Okay. And in I started mountain climbing after I had enough surgeries that so I had developed um, uh, peripheral neuropathy and autonomic neuropathy, and I ended up with an MS doctor. They thought I had MS because wow. everything was like was shriveling away, and it was really interesting when I saw him. It was it was great. I, I you know I, I'm sure everybody who's long drawn out stories like this have along the way that holy shit moved the needle and I mean like I I wept once writing him a card just like because what happened was they took this and, and you know by by then did we have the MRI with DTI um well the MRI with DTI showed structural damage but there are no lesions or you know so my central nervous system aside from you know the brain injury um looked really great and it was just, you know, some, some, um, some other, like the, the digestion stuff, the neuropathy stuff that was all, it, it was not connected in any way to my head injury, even back in 2017. And I kept, I always joke around that, like I invented so everything that's out there and, you know, all you awesome people like studying this and posting about it. I, I there was a time where, I mean, cause I'm not consuming information and learning from it. You had to put it together from your life experience. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, people are going to think I'm crazy, but I really think all this digestion stuff is connected to my head injuries. And like, you know, the gastro department would be like, whatever you've got like, that's not again. connected to your brain right? yeah your oh antibiotics for the SIBO you keep and it's like keeps coming back and it's like oh, oh wait gosh. this dictates motility my yeah. motility is like shut down oh that's why I kept getting SIBO it, it all makes sense now and I still like I still struggle with consuming information but when I get some I still get a little like Oh man, like when doc that Dr. Huberman, I'm like, oh, yes. I invented hot cold therapy. I invented all this stuff. <laughs> it's like aimlessly walking around, like it's like, oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels good. And it was actually, I had had all these surgeries, and you know, I had like um my my neck. I, I tried really hard to save it, but and I and and again, if we need another day, that's fine. But I have like a big history with neck and cranial. And yeah. I know you're, you're really into that, <laughs> um, but it was actually like realizing because I wasn't sweating for a long time, another brain thing. Um, I, I realized that if I did activities in the cold, I could regulate myself with my layers. And I was like, oh, okay, this and, you know, I'm like achievement minded. It was like, oh, this is a way for me to assert myself. And for a while, that was the big, just yesterday, one of my neurologists said, like, you really excel in silos, but not across the board. And I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> That's what a true Renaissance woman doesn't even care to put it all together and make anything of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so it was like kind of, it was kind of like going through life and figuring out what worked and what didn't. And I, I'm really grateful that um, running 
I started running in first grade, like almost to an obsessive degree running and you know, growing up, my mom is, you know, these organic gardens I spoke of, she had this catering business and she cooks like really healthy food. And it, it, there was no other thing in my psyche, but exercise is important. Eating healthy is important. So that was always a part of my life. Thank goodness. Because I think all these things like the neuropathy and stuff like that would have been, things would have been worse. And, you know, like truly those habits that I was very devoted to kept me fit. And that's the way I made money for a while. You know, I made them, it's like for anyone who's watched Grey's Anatomy, where Izzy is like, she went to like Harvard, but she had to strip to make the money. I'm like, I had to go do weird shit to pay for my brain. I had to be a yoga (laughs) top model, but. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's, that's, uh, and so just to, to take the head injury thing to its full fruition, I, I, you know, I'm off climbing mountains, which is, oh, clearly proof that I'm better. And it's really interesting to me, my craniosacral therapist drew like, I love him. Um, I'm going to make him watch, listen to this now. Absolutely. Uh, He he really... (laughs) What's that? We'll tag him if you want in the episode. Yes. Oh, please. Um, he really helped me understand that, um, you know, like, like things like if your CSF isn't really moving, here's what it means. Um, like when you lie, I, I almost like I, I, I'm very sensory, but I would lie still on his table and it was kind of like my savasana reaction Mm -hmm. i would start to cry because i didn't like my body my nervous system didn't know peace and he taught me about sympathetic parasympathetic and um and it was so funny i remember when my climbing partner and i were going to go climb denali in alaska people were like in your condition you can't and I was like, what's my condition? Y'all are saying I'm, I'm recovered or, or done rehab. Cause I'm not, I'm not done till I say I'm done, but it was Drew that was like, I know her nervous system and she can do anything. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, gosh. Like, and it that was, is incredible. It, it, he, it's just a craniosacral therapist or mine. I mean, he knew me better than I knew myself. Yes. Truly. And I mean, I really like that. And I I like to talk about this stuff. I'm horrible at being communicative. I'm horrible at DMs. And I also like, but what has been important to me over time is like some of these, I I call them my brain friends, like those connections. Absolutely. And I know I'm really random and I don't have any strategy, but just talking about neurofeedback, just talking about craniosacral, just talking about like somatic experience, I talk about something and then somebody has some questions. I answer them like a little bit. And then I'm like, this is where you could go to ask, or this is what I did. This is how it helped. I'm no expert, but I know what's moved the needle for me. And that was a really important, um, that was a really important part of, of my story was, was working with Drew. And then in 2019, I went mountain biking and um, I had, I think this is like my only sports related as an adult my sports related concussion. Cause the rest were all me passing out. Um, I think for the most part, but I had this mountain bike and I, I was like, okay, I take responsibility. There are probably, um, some things I shouldn't be doing. And, um, it was crazy because it was then that my interventional pain neurologist, I was getting Botox for migraine. Yes. Um, he, I was in such a state on top of my existing state that he like held my shoulders and he was like, do you understand that you have, he used this phrase, you have been worked up for chronic post-concussive syndrome. And, you know, my initial reaction was like, and he's like, this is something that's in your record. Like it says it. And I was like, what's that? I didn't even know what was in my own record. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. And I could tell by the way his eyes were glazed over that he was like, how do I get through to you? And that really was the way to 
to like touch me and have his eyes glaze over. I mean, that's how gone I was that it was like, people say things all the time and I just do what I do. And I didn't, I, I didn't, but it hit me that that was something to Google and try to understand. Um, so what stands out to me there is he cared really. And which is so nice when that happens with a practitioner, right? Because not everyone is created with the same empathy and passion, essentially. And he really wanted to reach you. Okay, so I am totally going to wrap this up for part two, because that is so suspenseful now. (laughs) Now we're getting into the next four years. Exactly. Um, Dun, dun, dun. And then the good stuff. (laughs) And then also, because in the next episode, I would love for you to share exactly like you're saying, you've had a number of different therapies, which have been helpful, and maybe some that haven't been, which are also worth mentioning. Um, But I do have a couple of questions, rapid fire questions to ask. Oh my gosh. So let's see. Well, you know, I have looked through, I've followed you, I see you've had many adventures, which are so inspiring, but is there another adventure place on your bucket list? Well, I'm sure there are, but what's on the top of this bucket list? (laughs) Okay, Um, next up is, uh, you know, plans change sometimes because it's hard to hold me to anything. Um, Next up is Vietnam, India. Is what? India? Vietnam and Vietnam. Oh my gosh, amazing. And are you thinking within one year, within two years, or when the world brings you there? Um, The plan is June for Vietnam. I'm taking my mom the the following year. She hasn't been back since she left. And we're going to do, but I decided to go ahead of time and do some recon. Um, I just even like how that sounds. (laughs) and then I will swing from there. The plan is to swing from there to uh, India and do some, um, you know, some touring and some eating and some meditating. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. Um, My next question is, um, okay, I had three, but I'm only going to ask you two and we'll leave the other one for part two. Um, a book that stands out that either changed you, inspired you, or and either fiction or nonfiction. Ooh. Um, oh my God. Okay. So, oh, I just I'm like really emotional. So I, I need to sometimes okay. like hold it down because I, I I like it. It's great. Um because I, I repressed that for so many years. And so now it's just like, oh need me to cry I'll cry (laughs) um I should go back to acting so okay there's an author in uh she's from Dublin her name is Tana French and I have uh struggled with reading since the day um since 2003 and the last book I read before that happened was the uh the Da Vinci Code and um and Tana French I couldn't read very well, but when I tried, cause I kept trying and trying, I bought like 300 books. Cause I was like, I'm going to read all these. Um, I, when I tried to read her, I, it was like reading myself. I was like, wait, my old self. I, sh- I was like, she is witty and kind of pervy and she swears And I was able to, I can listen uh, better than read. I still don't listen very well. Uh, It's like an integration issue. Um, But it was almost like a cadence. I was like, this is me. This is me. And my mentality used to be, this is me before like all this crap happened to me. I used to have some of these inner dark thoughts and I really, I, I, I turned that ship around. And I was like, it's it's wonderful to be reminded of like the the language I used to use and stuff like that and when I was way more literary but her books um Dublin Murder Squad 
oh my God, they're so good. So I would just say all of them are yeah, brilliant. Definitely look one up before the next time we chat. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm going to write her a letter and tell her how important it was. Cause I, it, it was it, for a while it tied me to books when books weren't really a thing, just like sitting there, like it was, yeah. So th- I'd say that. I absolutely that. think that you should write her because so she has touched your life in a profound way and she has no idea. And right. I know that you have reached so many other people. Again, you have no idea who's watching you, being inspired by you. I have a patient who, like she tells me, she watches my morning story when I go for a run. And so she uh-huh. walked, she walked to the appointment one day because she was inspired. Oh, I'm getting emotional too, <laughs> inspired by my story. And I thought, oh my gosh, you just never know who's watching you and who's inspiring you. And so, oh my God, she's going to be so happy to receive a letter from you because she yeah. has no clue. Yeah, I know. You, I, I'm, I'm going to get on that. this. I'm going to get on this. And I will say her sixth, her sixth book, I think, called The Witch Elm, okay. she kind of delves away uh, or goes, di- dives away, whatever, from the Dublin Murder Squad. And it's a book about somebody, it starts with him having a head injury and like, the story happens through that lens. And I was like, you know, the emoji where, with his head exploding, I was like, favorite author, a topic I'm familiar with in like, oh my God. So I would recommend that. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I am, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And I've been so drawn to you as a fangirl, but now I can call you a friend. Yes. (laughs) Because you you have this incredible story and you you just have it's part of your personality to not give up and definitely everyone you need to follow her amanda uncharted is that right careful careful what you get uh, amanda uncharted, uncharted. <laughs> like uncharted adventures and, and, sure they won't let me. and the ups and the downs but you will not be held down, right? You're living with your injury, but it's not, there's so much more and so much more that we need a part two of this. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> also, like, Drew, any uh, last little words before we wrap this up? Thank you so much. I'm sp- so I need to let all of you know that um, Amanda fit us in between two HBOT sessions. So she, like, just incredible person. So thank you so much. And any oh, my final words? <laughs> oh, you know, I, having been in the Navy, it's an inside joke, but everyone's going to get it. I like, I like don't give up the ship. And I think, you know, I'm almost an accidental advocate, but I really, there the more I've dug, the more I've found and the better I've gotten. And I'm not all better, but my life is so much better, uh, manageable. I mean, it's always been great, but, um, the day to day. So like keep searching and there's so much out there. Like for me, it's just been, there were times where I thought I was done. Okay. I guess this is how it is. And that was never true. And when it comes to the brain and the nervous system, I just, I mean, I believe in neuroplasticity. I've seen amazing, I've gone from not being able to walk on gravel to scaling like some of the highest mountains in the world. It's just, it's, our brains are fantastic and they're plastic. I love that. And I love that. Exactly. The sky is literally the limit, essentially. Right. Exactly. Well, have an amazing second HBOT session and um, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, Amanda. Bye. (laughs)